I think that we're just walking in uncharted times. The stakes are very high, and there's just a whole lot of what the kids would say, cray-cray, going on there. <laughs> Stay <laughs> tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content. More conversation coming up after this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning, I'm Dan Spieler. Well, where do you begin on a week like this? A lot of big headlines this week in Washington and here in Indiana. And it's going to be a busy Sunday, too. Tonight, three Indiana Republicans square off in their first televised debate. Senate candidates Luke Messer, Todd Rokita, and Mike Braun, all three seeking the GOP nomination to go up against Senator Joe Donnelly this fall. We'll preview tonight's debate and have the latest news on the Senate race coming up. Also tonight, former FBI Director James Comey speaking out. His new book comes out this week. The president already pushing back against Comey on Twitter. The president also fighting back on the Russia probe with his personal attorney now under criminal investigation. President Trump again calling the probe a witch hunt while talking tough on Russia's role in Syria. In the midst of all of this, a huge announcement in D.C. House Speaker Paul Ryan announcing he won't run for re-election. Though he claims it has nothing to do with some of those ongoing controversies we just mentioned. This week we spoke with two of his House colleagues from Indiana, including Congresswoman Susan Brooks. What's your reaction? Were you surprised? And, and do you think our current political dynamic was a part of that decision in any way? I wasn't completely surprised. There had been rumors here in D.C., you know, for the last few months about it. I think especially after we passed historic tax reform, we knew that that was what Paul Ryan had been talking about for almost 20 years. And, um, you know, he was drafted to be our speaker. He was chair of House Ways and Means. That's what he really wanted to be in Congress to do was to, you know, fix our tax code and really get this economy growing and put us on a great path for the future. And so when that was accomplished and he'd been here 20 years, I really thought our days were numbered with him. That's a long time to be here. And uh, I, it, it certainly, and he's given so much, um, and he's a, has been a brilliant policymaker for the country. And so I, you know, I admire and respect his decision, um, and I think he's been a very strong voice for the legislative body as a co-equal branch of government. Let's talk about Facebook. You were a part of that hearing with Mark Zuckerberg. Were you satisfied with the answers he gave? I think um, he he obviously shared with us that he believes that some form of regulation um, by government and some form of oversight is probably appropriate at this point. He actually acknowledged that Cambridge Analytica uh, obtained his own data as well. Um, 87 million users were affected by the lapse in, in their policies and in their platform and how the system worked. So we know that there need to be more restrictions, but we need the technology companies to work with Congress and to work with the government to get any of those rules or regulations right. We don't want there to be overreach. We um, are in this digital age. We're part of what I think is kind of the fourth industrial revolution of technology leading the way, and the United States is leading the way in the country or in the world rather, we need to get this right. And we need um, the work of uh, brilliant minds like Mark Zuckerberg to help us get this right. 
Zuckerberg also acknowledged this week that Facebook was cooperating with the special counsel's office. A lot of question this week, a lot of questions about the Mueller probe and whether the president might try and put an end to that investigation by perhaps firing the, the deputy AG or trying to fire Mueller. Some lawmakers, Republicans included, are discussing legislation to protect the special counsel. Is that an effort you would support? Well, I, I am on record um, early on that I believe uh, that Robert Mueller's investigation needs to, um, should be supportive, but needs to come to conclusion. And it should not be a incredibly broad um, investigation, but I certainly um, would expect uh, Rod Rosenstein, the deputy attorney general, to have uh, provided the parameters for the Mueller investigation. And, and, that the, and that Mueller needs to stay within those parameters um, and needs to bring this investigation to conclusion. Um, I don't believe the president is going to fire Bob Mueller. I know that that is the rhetoric that is out there, but I don't believe that that is going to come to pass. Um, and while Mark Zuckerberg talked about um, his cooperation, what I think he um, acknowledged is that we have had, and we've you know, talked about this from the beginning, there has been Russian interference in our elections. We need to put mechanisms in place and um, we need to put the tools in place to ensure that um, foreign actors and foreign countries cannot interfere in our elections. Same thing with other countries. Russia has been interfering in other countries' elections as well. And it is incumbent uh, upon Facebook and other uh, platforms such as Twitter to try to ensure that that does not happen. Um, and that is why you know, these platforms have become so critically important in, in our communication. Um, and that's why we need to make sure that, um, that we are protecting the safety and security and the privacy of our citizens. That's what this was about. That's why I shifted the focus a little bit to terrorism. Dan, I asked questions because we know that those platforms are used to recruit um, people to terrorist organizations. We've seen that with ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Al-Shabaab, that they are using those platforms to recruit. And, uh, and so there is an obligation of these platforms to help us in protecting the safety, security, and our own democracy. So speaking of, of terrorism, speaking of Russia, a, a lot of back and forth this week about Syria as well and potential military action in the coming days or weeks. Where, where do you think we're headed here? Well, we certainly know that um, the president stood firm and um, executed strikes after Assad's last use of chemical attacks against his people. But because that has happened again, these are the type of atrocities and the type of actions that um, America, I don't believe, can and should stand by if leaders are, are killing their own people in this way. We need for this to end. And if it takes strong aggression on our part and our allies' part to send that message that they cannot perpetrate chemical, biological type of attacks on their people, then I think that's necessary. Congresswoman Susan Brooks, thank you so much for taking a few minutes with us today. We appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. This week, we also spoke with Indiana Congressman Jim Banks, who at times has been critical of the president and his approach to Russia. This is the first time that the president has shown uh, uh, real uh, accountability toward, uh, toward Russia, toward Putin, uh, for propping up the Assad regime. It appears that the president, for the first time in 15 months, has realized how dangerous of an actor uh, Putin is on the world stage. And it, it took another tragic incident in Syria. 
Meantime, a number of these issues at the forefront this past week at Mike Pompeo's confirmation hearing. Indiana Senator Todd Young, part of that committee, questioning the president's nominee to be the next secretary of state. I want to emphasize the importance of having a smart, experienced uh, individual as, as our next secretary of state. Uh, based on my time serving with you in the House of Representatives, you've certainly checked those boxes. And we, all, you, we also need a leader who's credible, um, not just with, with our own president, but with leaders around the world. And, and uh, you've also checked that box. Senator Young told Pompeo he anticipates supporting his confirmation. Indiana Congressman Andre Carson said he does not support the choice, urging the Senate committee to vote against Pompeo's confirmation. Carson, one of two Muslims serving in Congress, wrote a letter along with Congressman Keith Ellison saying, quote, it is difficult to believe that world leaders will take Pompeo's efforts seriously when he sought to expand surveillance of American Muslim communities here in the United States. They go on to say, quote, we need a credible secretary of state, not one hobbled by a history of anti-Muslim sentiment and discrimination. Up next this Sunday in Focus, we'll talk more about the contentious Senate primary here in Indiana. Ahead of tonight's big debate, we'll also look at some of the new campaign ads out this week. And the gun debate takes center stage in Indianapolis. Some on the city county council want to ban assault-style weapons. But there's one big reason that proposal might not get very far. We'll explain. All right, big debate tonight, and this week a lot of news about the Senate race and candidate Todd Rokita. Monday he was endorsed by the chair and vice chair of the 2016 Indiana Trump campaign, Rex Early and Tony Samuel. Tony joins us now along with Christina Hale, who is on the ticket for the Democrats in 2016 here in Indiana, and also joined by Indy Star columnist Tim Swearens, who wrote this column last week in The Star about Rokita. You write that Rokita has, quote, worked carefully to craft uh, an unusual, perhaps effective image of himself that he's, quote, a jerk and sells himself that way. Rokita also dealing with a new story this week from the Associated Press accusing him of possibly breaking ethics laws by accessing the GOP database while serving as Secretary of State. The article, which got some national attention, cites three former GOP officials who said Rokita was actually locked out of that computer system because of all this, the Rokita campaign pushing back on that report. Rokita was on our show last week responding to that interview from two years ago in which he called then-candidate Trump vulgar. But there's been a, a real back and forth about who really has the president's back in this primary. And I'm guessing we may have some different opinions here about Rokita and about the, all of the items in the news here this week. Tim, I'll start with you. Well, if you're a Republican voter, the, the, the May primary is just the warm-up act. What you really ought to be thinking about is November and who can unite the party after a divisive primary? Who's going to appeal to moderate independent voters in November? And I think Todd Rokita is going to have a difficult time doing that. Tony, you made the endorsement along with Rex early this week. But, we, but again, there has been that back and forth about who is standing with the president and who isn't. Sure, and we did, and it was important to us. And the reason is, because as I said last week, and I've said on the show before, Todd Rokita was the one and only guy in, from the congressional delegation that stood with us. He's the one guy that called. I, was, I know because I'm the one that took the call. But let's break that down. Uh, comparing the two, Todd, uh, he, he was supportive of someone else, just like everyone in Indiana except for Rex and I, you know, public figures, I'm not, but Rex is, uh, we're endorsing someone else. So he, was, he said, he made a comment about uh, uh, Donald Trump back in February before the Super Tuesday, uh, February 2016. After that, he was on board. You have the, the difference there is Luke Just Messer. Just a difference in timing? You're saying timing, Luke exactly. said it slightly later? Well, here's the difference. If, if you are supporting someone else, 
you're going to do and say what you need to to support them. Once the primaries are over, you get on board with your candidate. That's what Todd Rokita did. Now, the reason it's important, I, I set up some interviews for Todd, and I thought about this, and I finally looked to find one of those interviews on WIBC. I don't know if you'll be able to see this or not, but Indiana Republicans react to uh, last night's debate, and, and it was Todd and, uh, and, and uh, Pence. And in this uh, interview, he says all the right things because he's supporting Don Donald Trump. This is after the first debate when Hillary Clinton was declared the winner by most in the media. And we'll just one quote from Todd in this four-minute, five-minute interview. I think Donald Trump did great. I don't know what all the pundits and elites are saying, but the man was poised, agile, determined, and showed to be the exact kind of leader we need. That's the kind of thing Todd was doing when it counted, especially after that what first a, debate. What about Tim's point about the fall, the race in the fall in moderates, and if Rokita can uh, uh, appeal to moderates in Indiana or to those who might be independent? He can because folks will look at, at uh, uh, Joe Donnelly's voting record and Todd Rokita's voting record, and, uh, and Rokita stands with Donald Trump, but Rokita is very uh, uh, fiscally conservative. He's, he's shown that time and time again. Donald Trump will be in campaigning for Todd Rokita against Joe Donnelly. All that's going to matter, and Todd Rokita can beat Joe Donnelly. And how do Democrats look at all of this as these three candidates prepare for this debate tonight? Well, you know, it's an exciting time to have three candidates at each other's throats, I might add, and really three very different candidates. When you think about Mike Braun, who's bringing a different kind of flavor just to the whole campaigning style of what's going on right now. But um, Democrats are really looking at this and kind of enjoying, I would say, all of the divisiveness. And let's not forget, Tavrakita as well has some character issues. He had a number of staffers come out to talk about how unpleasant he was to work with very early in this campaign. So I think on a human level as well as, you know, with some of the scandal that's coming out um, from other Republicans during his time as Secretary of State, there's a lot to be paying attention to. Uh, Rokita has gotten a lot of the focus lately, Tim, for better or worse? Hard to, hard to say. His name has been in the news a lot, and maybe yeah. that's a good thing. Uh, Rokita's definitely tried to be the Trumpiest of the three, right, to model himself the most after Donald Trump. And I can understand that, given that Trump won the state by 19 points in 2016. But we're in 2018 now, and he's betting that the same model that worked two years ago will work this year, and that, that's questionable. Well, that could be the flip side of this. While they all look to align themselves with the president, it also means having to answer for a lot of the controversies uh, in Washington and at the White House and this week. Let me say, too, however you feel about Donald Trump, Tony, Donald Trump is a special candidate. He is a special man and really unique. He can play that character, that bombastic character, and he can get away with a whole lot that we've never seen anyone else get away with. The, 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 key for, the key in this election and for Republicans across the country is to get those folks that came out for Donald Trump that told us that they hadn't voted for decades, maybe never, but they, they were okay. moved to vote for Donald Trump. That's the key for And against Hillary Clinton. These days, no doubt, we're going to hear more of this uh, back and forth about who supports the president in tonight's debate. Uh, that topic also coming up in the latest round of the ads uh, from those Senate candidates this week. Luke Messer sided with crooked Hillary over Donald Trump. Clearly, Congressman Messer, he doesn't know when to be presidential, does he? He hasn't shown it yet. And Mike Braun, this lifelong Democrat, voted for Hillary or Obama. Todd Rokita, endorsed by Trump's Indiana leadership team. I'm Luke Messer, and I approve this message. Todd Rakita pretends he always supports President Trump, but that's not Todd Rakita's record. Congressman Rakita voted against Trump's military funding. Here's what Rakita said about Donald Trump. With Donald Trump, I mean, someone who's vulgar, you know, if not profane. When it comes to supporting Trump, 
Rakita is all hat and no action. Growing up in Indiana, Todd and Luke wanted careers in politics. Mike wanted a career in business. And that is why we must fast-track free trade deals. Put it on the credit card. China will pay for it. Send the jobs to Mexico. We don't need them. When I'm in Congress, maybe one of you will be my driver. See? Job creation. And that's why, ladies and gentlemen, I should be senator. No, I'm the senator. No, I am going to be the senator. You can't be the senator if I'm the senator. All right, joined now by former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy and former communications director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner. What do you guys make of these, uh, these latest ads? Well, I've been uh, watching and participating in politics for 40 years now. I hate to admit that. And these are some of the best ads I've seen in 40 years. They remind me, go back you know, to Paul Wellstone in Wisconsin. You're talking about the FedEx these three ad. ads? You're talking about no, bronze No, I'm talking about the ads. bronze yeah. ad. And that, by the way, you have to give credit where credit was due. It was done by Jamestown Associates who did the last Trump ads, his uh, end of the campaign ads. And so everybody's Trump, all three of them are Trump, but I tell you, these ads are great. Yeah, no disagreement here. They are really, really good ads, and, and they have really, um, in a visual way, captured that nobody can tell the difference between Luke Messer and Todd Rakita. They're the same guy, same congressman, but it's funny. It catches your attention, especially when you've got those kids out there. You know, anytime there are kids on TV, you're going to notice that as opposed to... People are drawn to that yeah. visually, perhaps. More grown-ups yeah. bickering, it's no funny. one cares. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the first it, rules of politics is you have to like somebody before you can vote for them. People like funny people. And... You know, you can, you know, diff the voters have different levels of, of sophistication. Some are up on the issues. Some will just remember, who is the guy with the funny ad? I'm voting That's for true. him. Yep. Yeah. Luke Messer uh, going negative there for the first time. We haven't seen that Yeah, yet, it's right? been a bad week for Luke. Um, you know, Rakita had a rough story, but Luke is starting to get lost a little bit in all the Rakita name ID and then the funny brawn ads. Um, Luke's, Luke's got to gain some attention here in the last three weeks. And again, I asked the other panelists, uh, could there be a trade-off here aligning with the president, but then also having to sometimes defend some of the controversies that have been making news in recent Absolutely. Days? I mean, we, we've got a, an anti-Trump wave sweeping across the nation. You've got, you've got Paul Ryan not running again. You've got... Here too, you think, or no? I think it's possible. I don't know. I haven't seen any numbers, but I think it's possible that... Maybe not an anti-Trump wave, but those people who came out because they were, as Christina said, mad about Hillary Clinton, or they were just fed up in general, they don't come out this year in the general, which benefits Joe Donnelly. What do you I, I'm not a big Trump fan, but I, I think that's going way too far to think there's going to be an anti-Trump wave here in India. I think India is probably still pretty solidly anti-Trump for better or for worse. Pro-Trump. Pro-Trump. Pro-Trump yeah. pro, pro for better or for worse. And so I really don't see um, anybody losing the primary because they were, you know, more Trump than somebody no, else. No, but in the general, I think there's a definite possibility of all of this stuff, all the, uh, who can uh, out-Trump whom coming know, back and biting them if it's one of Between now November, we could be at war in North Korea. You just never know. I You're mean, such that's an way, optimist, Mike. I mean, I'm saying <laughs> that's just way too far away to be predicting right now. Right now, you've got... You've got um, Rokita, who's tr maybe the Trumpiest of them all, as somebody said earlier. Um, you've got Messer, who again is fading, but Messer, I mean, fading in the attention, not yeah. fading in, in winning or losing. But the problem with so Messer is... we haven't is, seen too many polls. We haven't so, seen too yeah. many polls yet, right. no official polls, no right. independent. But Messer is counting on acting like an incumbent and being the steady guy, the guy you can count on me because I'm steady, I'm not crazy, I'm not this, right? We'll see what happens yeah. with the debate tonight. The gloves could definitely come off. Uh, I can't come wait. off already, I suppose. You could say, all right, up next, the City County Council in Indianapolis taking up an assault weapons ban this past week. Why it's likely headed nowhere after the break. A new resolution in the City County Council this past week to ban assault-style weapons and magazines in Indianapolis, but 
It won't get very far. Councillor Duke Oliver introduced that ordinance. He says violence here in Indy was the reason he wanted to ban the guns, but that resolution is non-binding. The council can't actually pass any gun ordinances. That's state law. While some welcome the discussion, others question if it's even worth the council's time. We should spend our time working on issues with mental illness, the people who are actually committing these crimes, uh, community policing, things we can actually get our hands around. I use the term ban assault weapon. That's, that's a term that's used loosely. I used it. It's just to get the attention, and it did, to get the attention about the proliferation of guns and weapons into all of our communities. It done that. State lawmakers we spoke with say the legislature would certainly have a tough time supporting any resolution like this. We're back with this week's Winners and Losers right after the break. All right, let's wrap it up with this week's Winners and Losers. Tim, who do you got? Winner number one, Mark Zuckerberg, who made $3 billion in one day the first Ooh. day he testified before the Senate. Uh, winner number two, Paul Ryan, who, who has a ticket out of the circus. Tony. My winner is Todd Rokita. Because of that Rex Early endorsement, I'm just Rex's sidekick, but that Rex Early endorsement still matters to Republican Party people around the state. Loser, Jim Comey. The book doesn't say anything new, and it's just a bunch of personal attacks. Uh, he's really diminished uh, his stature. Big interview tonight. Mike? I'd have to say my winner is the Jamestown Associates, who produced the last few Mike Braun ads, some of the best TV ads I've seen in 40 years. The loser has to be the American people because Paul Ryan is leaving the national stage, a, a guy with integrity, ethics, a great leader, and he's going back home to Wisconsin to raise his family. I'm going to adapt Mike's, but slightly change them. Um, I think Mike Braun has to be the winner. He is definitely pulling ahead and outside of the pack of the other two candidates who are really cardboard cutouts of, of each other. And uh, my loser is actually more specific, the GOP. Um, in losing, Paul Ryan does lose a voice of, of rationality and, and, and moderate pragmatism, and that's really needed right now. You get the last word. Truth. Um, my winners are Hoosier Women. We launched uh, Women for Donnelly this week. We launched Hoosier Women Forward. That's going to create a lot of new civic women leaders here in our state. Losers Women. We had to work three months and ten days just to make the same amount of pay as our male counterparts. All right. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. All right, we're doing a, a little bit more conversation here on the podcast and talking about a, a really wild week um, from start to finish. A lot of news here in Indiana about the Senate race, but also uh, around the country, the Facebook hearing. Speaker Paul Ryan leaving. I just want to ask each of you, what, what stood out to you the most this week, and, and what do you think will mean the most here moving forward? Tim Swearens, I'll start with you. I think the most significant news was Paul Ryan's resignation. I mean, he, Paul Ryan is somebody who's he's not even 50 years old yet. And, and not that long ago, he was, he was the face of the future of the Republican Party. And now he's leaving, and I think it's fair to say leaving in frustration of, of where the party is headed and the chaos that uh, is consuming uh, our, our nation's capital. Most people don't retire in their 40s. No, unless you're, unless you're Mark Zuckerberg. But, well, uh, yeah. But, well, but he, let me he, add to that. In addition to Paul Ryan, what really worries me is uh, the resignation or, or, or the, you know, not going to run for re-election of Trey Gowdy. Trey Gowdy is one of the most solid, conservative congressmen you ever meet in your life, a man of principle. And he did an interview a week or so ago where he said the problem with Washington now, even within the Republican Party, he said, you can be as conservative as I am. 
And if I miss one vote, if I'm 99.95% conservative, all of a sudden I'm the devil on talk radio and talk mm. TV because I'm not conservative enough. Sounds, who's, who's more conservative uh, it, it than Sounds like shades out? of the yeah. Senate race here. It, it really does. Writer. I was thinking yeah. the same thing when, when Mike was saying mm -hmm. that. It's like we've got into the silliness of, you know, who's more conservative, Ty Rokita or Luke Messer? Well, they're both conservative, and they have a, a long history of, of conservative votes. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really kind of silly, but it's where we are in politics right now. Yeah. Jennifer, what stood out to you uh, this week? I hate to, you know, be a broken record, but I think it's also the Paul Ryan thing. That I mean, I'm, I don't agree with Paul Ryan on a lot of policies. I think it's sad when someone who is young in politics, who was the face of the party, you know, who can speak across the aisle and work across the aisle, gives it up. And I think you've seen, you know, now you've got Republicans kind of panicking because there are so many vacancies, so many retirements. And I mean, it worries me as a Democrat. I, first of all, obviously want to see Democrats win those seats. But if they don't, what comes in afterward? And where is that voice of, of you know, moderate pragmatism, that, that desire to reach across the aisle? Because we are not in a place like that right now. But I, will, I, will, say, I will say that the party will survive. I mean, Paul Ryan, um, I hope he has a, a, another great future and another career, or maybe he comes back around at some point as a cabinet member or a presidential candidate. But go back. He insists not, he doesn't want to do that. I know, but everybody's but been everybody asking says him this that. week. Well, you're but, running for president. But go back day. several years, and you may remember the name J.C. Watts. J.C. Watts was the future of the Republican Party. A bright, um, telegenic, energetic African American man from I think it was Oklahoma, if I remember correctly. I'm a quarterback for Oklahoma. Yeah, and he was, you know, he was the next, you know, great hope of the Republican Party. And he left after not too many years, right? And I haven't heard from him since. I hope he's doing well. So, so my point is that parties are bigger than individuals, and I mourn, frankly, Paul Ryan leaving, but I still think the future of the Republican Party is bright. Tony, what does this mean for Republicans, for the White House? I mean, now perhaps Kevin McCarthy, the favorite, seen as perhaps more of a Trump ally, and he could be the guy to become the next Speaker of the House. Yeah, the President has a good relationship with both Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise. So I, I think as far as the leadership goes, um, I think they'll be in in, uh, in good, in decent shape. Uh, what concerns me is just this uh, this blue wave that shouldn't even exist. I don't think because Democrats haven't shown any kind of leadership on issues. They haven't they haven't come out with plans or or a, a, a shared a good agenda that that they think is better for the country. Instead, it's all attacks. And so I, I think a little bit of con uh, concern to me is Republicans conceding that there's possibly going to be a blue wave. I don't think there's any reason they sh there should Christina, be. Christina, will there be a blue wave? And what's your response uh, to Tony on that? I think there may be a lavender wave. And I agree <laughs> with you. There are so many important issues that matter that we should be paying attention to. Um, but I don't want to let us forget either. This has been a week where our sitting president's personal attorney is now going to be likely facing criminal charges for dealings he had with our sitting president. Apparently, there may be tapes of their conversations that could be very salacious. I, I think that we're just walking in uncharted times. The stakes are very high, and there's just a whole lot of what the kids would say, cray-cray, going on there. <laughs> that it, It's really hard to predict. How do you chessboard this yeah. out? Yeah. But, but the unpredictable has become the predictable. We've talked about this now for over a year. The only constant is change. The idea that Michael Cohen's house and office being raided by the FBI this week somehow got squeezed off the news pages within 48 hours right. 
um, is just remarkable. remarkable. Normally, in a normal Ryan, year, we'd be talking about this for a month, right? You know, most yeah. normal uh, news cycles, Facebook would have been the top, top story. Right. Right. And it was for a few hours that yeah. day. So, it trended on but, Facebook, I'm sure. <laughs> and you know what? That's so very important to our lives, personally, as a nation, right. you know, on many different levels. The Facebook story, I mean, that's going to be the story Affects of the next fight. Yeah. Most everybody. Absolutely. I know you wrote about that this week at IndyStar.com. It, it, it is, and I think Ms. Trina's absolutely right. And first of all, it's, it's, it's the one story that we all interact with uh, almost on a daily basis, if not more often you know, than that. Uh, so it does affect how we live our lives and how we communicate. And, but even more important to that is we are, as, um, as Susan Brooks said earlier in the show, we're going through this fourth industrial revolution is what some people call it. The, the tech bubble, the tech wave is continuing to uh, cause uh, a lot of change in our society. And we're still trying to figure out how to deal with that. And that's really what those hearings last week, that's what it was all about. But also look at the, at the, at the uh, fickleness of the news cycle, so to speak. I don't care if it's social media, TV, print, whatever, it doesn't matter. Some people are getting very good at manipulating the news cycle, okay, whether it's purposeful or accidental. So Michael Cohen gets uh, his, uh, his home searched, and then Trump, whether it's coincidental or purposeful, comes out with an outrageous you know, tweet 24 hours later, and all of a sudden, everybody's off that, and they're onto the Trump tweet. Now, is that by design? I mean, he's a clever guy, and it may be. I wouldn't put it past him. You guys, we, we haven't even discussed the, the Syria tweets about no, the Syria bomb. That's right. Yeah. I mean, sending you a thought bomb. bomb. Wait, wait, you can't. No, don't. But I think Mike's point is, 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 is really good. If there's one thing we can learn from the 2016 election, we need to learn from the 2016 election, is Donald Trump controlled the conversation with social media. Mm -hmm. yep. and, we, yeah. and we were all reacting. The news media were reacting. Democrats were reacting. Reacting. Republicans were reacting during the primary season to, to the agenda that Donald Trump very purposely set. And it looked like chaos from the outside, but I think there was something more to it. So Obama started in 2008 with the technology edge and the social media edge. And what Trump did... Well, he used Facebook he, quite a bit in that campaign. He did. Yeah. He, did, he, did he did it more effectively yep. than Clinton did, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he did his door-to-door -door targeting much more effectively because I watched it. He did, he did much more effectively. So then in 2016, Trump takes... Um, he, you know, no pun intended, democratizes the social media campaign uh, operation. And he, he, I don't want to say dumbs it down, but he takes it down to the most lowest common denominator level and very effectively. Well, he understands ratings. You, know, you can only watch one show, and it's the Donald Trump show, and he's on Twitter, and that's the place you've got to yeah. be. Yeah. Well, in, in, in his defense, it, a lot of it is that he doesn't get treated fairly by most of the media, not all of the media, and he's got that, that uh, outlet now, and he uses it, and he's got 50 million or so followers, so he might as well use it every chance Something else that's special about him is he, I believe, is the person using it, maybe not all the time, but most often. I think he's the man behind those tweets, and as we all know, a lot of staffers would dive tackle their candidate before they would let them Dirty personally. Dirty right? A lot of politicians, someone else is tweeting exactly. their tweets. Exactly. Yeah. Not, not so what much What I think is amazing is, is how the media, Trump, Trump, Trump and Trump defenders use the media they, they trash the media when it's to their advantage, and they support the media to, where, to when it's to their advantage. I'll give you an example, the Comey book. So a, f a friend of mine, actually the husband of my cousin, okay, lives in Arizona on Facebook, and, and he's always trashing the media. Fake news is, fake news is. And then the Comey book comes out, and I see a post from him today. He says, oh, the Comey book's a joke. I said, 
really, Dan? Did you read it already? He goes, no, I read Chris Wallace's review. And I said, but isn't Chris Wallace fake news? Well, the you media know. the media is, uh, I mean, it, I personally it, think being in the media is an awfully broad brush term. Right. Right. It, it definitely I mean, is, but, but, but I think yeah, Mike's point is really important because I, I, it's, I've seen this as 20 years working in the opinion business. People gravitate to things that reinforce what they already believe. And that's happening more and, and it's more, happening and more and more. Yeah. And so if Chris Wallace says something I agree with, then Chris Wallace is great. If Chris Wallace says something yeah. that I disagree with, Dirty oh, that's traitor. fake news. Now, we all, right. know, we all know Gordon Dunnell, a legendary former state Republican chairman. And anytime I put something on uh, Facebook that's the least bit, which is not very often the least bit critical <laughs> of Trump, um, he right away, fake news in all caps, right? And so some story came out, I think it was about the, the Michael Cohen thing, he puts fake news, fake news. I said, no, Gordon, not everything you disagree with is fake news. And I finally got him to relent. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. He says, okay, it's gossip. I said, that's fair. You can call something <laughs> gossip, and, but, but not it, everything is fake news. Bringing right? it full circle to Tim's point, I mean, where do we go for our news? We go to Facebook. What does Facebook do? Facebook yeah. serves you things that it thinks you will like based on its algorithms that may or may not be controlled by outside interests and may or may not right. be prying into your personal interests. So Facebook made us this way. And this week, Facebook was the news, bringing right. it all full yeah. circle and a big part of our discussion here on the podcast. One more point uh, well, real quick before we Well, uh, not if we don't here. have that much, uh, enough time. I kind of want to go back to the primary. Well, I wanted to go back to the primary race and, and, and uh, the attacks on who's the most for Trump, because I obviously didn't get to make, uh, or wanted to make it earlier. But my point on Rokita was that he was there when it mattered, especially that, se that September 27th, interview uh, when he's defending that uh, Trump on that first debate. But I wanted to contrast that with what Luke Messer did because Luke's the one that uh, I think was behind the attack on, on uh, Rokita's February comment. For, for Luke it was a pattern. He was first talking about a white knight candidate when, when folks were thinking nobody would get to 1,237 delegates at the convention. That was before the primary. Then after, when the primary was settled, primaries were settled and the nomination was secured by Trump after the Indiana primary, he was still out there attacking uh, uh, Trump. Is and it a stretch, though, to say he actually plotted a PolitiFact? Well, yeah, and, 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 they, they and not those weren't my words. I can, I can see where you, know, you, you, might make, you, you might make that case. But my point is that it's a pattern of attacking Trump, and that's the difference. When you're doing so because you're helping your candidate, once your candidate's out, if you're still doing it, that's a, that's a problem because then you're helping the opponent. You're actually helping and you're winning some votes. If you're going on C-SPAN and CNN of all places and you're trashing the nominee, that's helping the opponent. That's where you know, we really had a problem with what Messer was doing and really appreciated what... And for the four undecided voters that were listening Rokita to this podcast, <laughs> hang tight, because that was all really way down in the weeds, Tony. Um, Tim's column right. was... I mean, he yeah, may be right, right, but it's not going to convince anybody. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, there's a debate going on, and I don't know how long it's going to last on who said this and who said that and why it matters. That goes on every night at my dinner table right. with my children. No, but here, here's why it matters. He hit me. Here's why, why it matters, because Which Rokita, was, brought was, Rokita was doing it when, it sh when, when the, the nomination was clearly over, so that only jeopardized Trump's election chances. And he only did it for it had to be for but, his own political. But Todd Rokita wasn't just critical of Donald Trump. He questioned 
Trump's character and, and integrity. No, 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 not at all. Not he said he was vulgar. Integrity. He, said, vulgar. he said, I mean, he said his comment was vulgar. Well, I let me say this. I think he said a lot of people say vulgar things all the time. I want to reflect some That's earlier not, comments you made back deal. to you. Yeah. You were making some criticism about the Democrat Party that we weren't casting a vision and talking about ideas. Yeah. This conversation I'm listening to is so bogged down in who's more po political, who's more... So what? Yeah. We've got problems, folks. We've got problems with right. addiction and Syria oh, and I agree. bombs. I agree and, you know, so let's yeah. engage in the issues because that's what we're looking at. These are unprecedented times. Yeah. Susan Brooks is right. We are moving into a new industrial age. We're also seeing the social fabric change, bend, warp and reform itself in ways that are very unpredictable, strange, and are going to be difficult to surf over the coming no, years. I, I agree completely, and I think in the, the debate, obviously, there's going to be more discussion on issues, uh, and, and they, I think they're talking issues, but, I mean, I know Rokita is, but... But they do. But, <laughs> <laughs> I have but, my doubts about but that. But the 30-second or 60-second ads focus on these things, and that's why I wanted to get But to, to Tim's point in the yeah. column that he wrote this week is, okay, Todd Rakita is, you know, he's a jerk, but he's my jerk. You know, he's not a jerk, Joe Donnelly, so good luck in November, gentlemen. <laughs> but he just votes the wrong Jen way. Wagner. He just votes yeah. the wrong way for interest. <laughs> he votes with the president sometimes. I thought you liked the president. I love the president. Okay, and so Joe Donnelly votes with He didn't on tax cuts. He did not vote with the president on tax cuts. Pragmatism, that's I'm huge. telling you. you know, that is huge. I think the mistake that Republicans are making this year is the, is the mistake that Democrats made for eight years when Obama was in the White House. O Obama was personally popular. He, he easily won election twice. And while he was in the White House, the Democratic Party was completely hollowed out around the country. Um, and Republicans, by the time Obama left office, Republicans were in a stronger position than they had been in 100 years. Um, you know, thanks Obama, right? Um, I think Republicans are making that same mistake now. They're looking backward at the 2016 election. Who's more Trump than Trump? Um, and in the meantime, Joe Donnelly is sitting there in a good position to win re-election in a state where it should be more, much more difficult, perhaps, than it will be because Republicans are focused on the wrong thing. It will be a fascinating next few weeks leading up to this primary, next few months leading up to the midterms. Thank you all for uh, continuing the discussion here online. A fascinating discussion as always. We'll see you next week.